Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. Hello to everyone. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes, your host for this episode of ASRM Today. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Jup Lavin. Dr. Lavin has been on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic in Europe. Dr. Lavin continues to work in the reproductive medicine space with other professionals who are looking for solutions in these perplexing times. Dr. Lavin, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. So please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. What is your specialty and where do you practice? Um, I'm a reproductive endocrinologist uh, and infertility specialist. I was trained in OBGYN in um, the 90s, I think, mid-90s. And then I moved from Nijmegen, which is a place in the eastern part of the Netherlands uh, where I did my training, to uh, Rotterdam, which is uh, one of the biggest harbors in the world, which is located near the coast, uh, the North Sea side of the country in the west. I did my fellowship uh, REI there. I'm based there since 1998, I think. Where are you at the moment with patient care? Are you providing all care, selected care only, planning to resume care? We are at the moment resuming our care and we are planning to provide all the care which we did in the past uh, within the next few, let's say, weeks. Uh, There's one peculiar thing uh, which you, you should know is that Although everything was, let's say, um, stopped due to the lockdown in the Netherlands here, we were already planning to stop our activities for about three or four weeks because we were refurbishing my lab, uh, which is uh, extended to, uh, let's say, twice the size as it was. Uh, so that was a kind of a lucky thing which came along with the all the, the, the bad events COVID-19 brought us. Uh, so to say it, it's the, the impact COVID had on my clinic was limited because we already had a, a kind of calculated thing uh, that we had uh, to close down for four weeks, uh, which actually became about something like eight weeks. Uh, but we are initiating all treatments again. And um, I think within about four weeks, we uh, will be fully up and running again, um, doing some, let's say, 40, 50 cycles a week, which was the average which we did before COVID. What has your approach been to dealing with COVID-19 as a disease? Well, yeah, we we were already closed down or when COVID started, of course, because this, this uh, lab extending uh, thing. And in the Netherlands, the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecology advised us the same thing as ASRM and FRA did to be very prudent whether we should go on with treatment or not. And actually in the Netherlands, uh, uh, everybody decided, every clinic decided to stop treatment, uh, not immediately, but mostly nearly immediately so uh, that happened about uh, six weeks ago and yeah we are looking now at all kind of different um, info material looking at whether it is present in semen whether it's present in or whether it might be present in oocyte and what the risk uh, might be which uh, uh, brings that along Uh, so basically if you look at 
the evidence which is now around it, um, there is not very, let's say, hard evidence that there might be a kind of vertical transmission from the mother to the child. Uh, there's also not very uh, convincing evidence that it is uh, apparent in sperm. There are a few cases, but the majority of these studies show also that the majority of cases which they looked at, uh, only in a minority of those cases, there was COVID-19 virus in sperm found. There are no studies looking at whether it's present in oocytes. I think in general, what um, everybody believes nowadays is, uh, but really we don't know that for sure, that uh, probably due to the processing of our oocytes and sperm in um, ART laboratories, uh, you might dilute at least the, the, the virus or probably get really completely rid of it. Uh, just by the procedures which you follow to inseminate your oocytes uh, or inject your oocytes. Similarly, as it does with HIV patients and hepatitis patients. So I think the risk is really very, very low. Um, but I have to admit, um, as others did in this series, uh, that we really don't know it uh, for sure. It really doesn't look like it is a big risk at the moment. And along with what our government says, that it doesn't, uh, let's say, proclaim that people shouldn't have, uh, shouldn't try to get pregnant uh, um, in, the, in these days uh, because they don't. I think that it's very uh, legitimate to uh, reinitiate treatment again because people are waiting for their treatments uh, also. And they don't like to be, let's say, hindered in that attempt to to uh, to become pregnant. Based on everything that's been going on these last few months and what the situation that we're currently in, what's your outlook then on the future for reproductive care? Well, I think you know that that um, uh, obstetrics in general and 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 ART is especially is not going to be much affected by COVID. As long as it's not, um, let's say, introducing things like that ART might increase the risk for infection for the offspring. As long as that's not the case, the, the trade we are in actually is not in, in, in whatever way interfering with, let's say, good COVID care. What we are doing in the Netherlands, and uh, probably you are going to do that too in, in the US, we are now very much aiming at having COVID hospitals ready as soon as the second uh, wave uh, will hit us in order to, to bend the curve again properly and to stay below the maximum load of, of ICU patients which we can handle. As long as we do that, and as long as we take care that enough people which are sufficiently trained are working in these COVID hospitals. There will be only a limited number of people from our world, uh, from OBGYN and ART, which will be involved in there. First of all, because most of the time they lack a proper uh, background training uh, to do all this uh, ICU work. Uh, the second thing is obstetrics goes on. So, uh, that's also kind of, of acute kind of, of medicine thing. So they, eh, what happened in my hospital at least, uh, there were only a few people uh, asked from my staff to 
uh, work in COVID clinics uh, uh, on uh, in COVID units uh, because they knew, of course, that that our staff was also very busy with the daily stuff that they anyway do because that's delivering babies uh, uh, and and also making babies in a way. Um, so basically, I think that uh, we are not a trade which is when we when we are fully operational again, we are not uh, posing a certain threat on how we could run these COVID clinics in the future because we are not going to be part of that uh, very much because we are dealing with our own stuff and so th that's that's an advantage of being in OBG being a gynecologist and being working as a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist on the other hand yeah I still fail to see that we are making large steps in getting these COVID units ready for a next um, uh, wave because that's of course important that we should do that because in that way we could also go on with normal care because that's that's really an issue in the Netherlands at the moment that all kind of oncological care has not been given to people uh, with all kind of uh, negative consequences of course of that um, the other thing is uh, our economy is collapsing. So if we don't have these hospitals soon enough in place, we are again not prepared for for the next uh, next wave of COVID, which will definitely be there somewhere. It's predicted here at least that on this side of the ocean to come somewhere in October, November. Dr. Lobin, thank you for sharing your insight and experiences with us today. We greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, other information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org.